All right, and welcome to a brand new episode of the Something to Say podcast. I am your host, Chris. Sean, how you doing today? Good, man. Yourself? Great. We've got some great in-studio guests. If you loved them on our I Want My Young TV specials, we told you we were going to have them back. Welcome to the show, Aaron Fay. Hello. If you didn't love him, he's back in here. Yeah, well, sorry, Charlie. Someone's got to be my driveway afterwards. There's a lot of snow coming up. <laughs> and we have my wife, Beth, with us here today. So, uh, the name of this episode, tentatively, is called And the Band Played On, and what I want to kind of start with is a disclaimer. Uh, nobody here at this podcast today is a medical professional, a scientist, or a politician. Sean and I started this podcast with the one rule that we weren't going to talk politics. So while the subject matter is a result of something people have a lot of political opinions on, we want to keep it entertaining and light and fun. Really what today's show is about is what the landscape is going to look like for entertainment. Uh, Post-COVID, getting out of this going forward, what concerts, sporting events are going to look like. And, and just, just to give you an idea of the credentials around the room, my wife and I have spent 20 plus years in the wedding industry and private event industry and bar industry. Sean, how many years have you been an entertainer? Uh, 25 years now as a stand-up comic. And how long have you been in entertainment, Aaron? Uh, 30 years as a rock band personality. So let's have a, let's have a quick roundtable. Um, none of today's show is scripted or researched. Uh, what are some of the things you guys miss socially uh, as a result of the current state we're all in? So for me, it would be uh, I have for years and years always gone to see rock cover bands. Um, anytime there's not a major concert in the area and i have a free night on the weekend um, i always check the calendar and if it's within an hour and a half drive in any direction and i like the band and uh somebody's willing to get my drunk ass home after the show then we usually go out see about three hours of 80s rock covers and have a really good time and it's been a long time since i've seen live music I miss the hell out of it, and also uh, just seeing my comedian friends out on the road together. Um, you know, there's that social aspect in the green room before the show, during the show, and after the show, and they're all pretty cool people, and, uh, you know, I'm, a, I'm kind of a social butterfly, so I just miss the, the whole interaction. Yeah, I, I'm going to go ahead and go next and say it's similar to Sean, only because when he's going out somewhere, 90% of the time it's with me. It's comedy shows, it's bands on the weekends, it's cover bands, it's concerts. We go to several a month. So so it's an adjustment. And I'll say, I know some people will take what they can get. I, I know some artists have successfully been able to have kind of these drive-in concerts. To me, that's the same as watching YouTube videos. Uh, Aaron? I 100% agree. I it's funny in the past year I my career completely came to a, a halt I mean literally it was everything to us and you know our living our livelihood our passion it, you know, my three best friends I haven't seen you know I've made music with them in a year and but going out doing what we did and uh, seeing you seeing Sean see, you know that that was everything too and Hey man, can you play that song? I haven't heard you sing that in twenty years. Sure, uh, that that was everything to me. I cannot, for the life of me, conjure up the. Uh, I look, I look at the camera and I look at my guitar, and I don't want to live stream. I want to go 
I want to drive an hour and a half. I want to drive here, there, whatever, and see you. I want to play the whole, the whole process, I, not yeah. just the playing. It's the human interaction. Everything. Uh, I miss that. The social. <laughs> what about you, Beth? What I miss the most, interestingly, is a busy, crowded restaurant or pub. I miss walking into the front doors, seeing a wait, kind of listening to all the buzz, hearing the the clinking of glasses and silverware and the tables having conversations and the servers running around and the smells of all the different foods. Even though you can still get that restaurant experience or that event experience a little bit right now, when you walk in, it's just quieter um, and the smells aren't as strong because the capacity is lower and it's just not as busy. People are much quieter with their masks on. You know, that's a really great point because when I have gone out a handful of times in the past year, it just hasn't felt the same. So really great point. It's, and again... Um, there's no professionals here from the landscape that can do anything to change what's what's happened to this pandemic in the country, in the world. And this is just a conversation among four friends. And there are people who suffer and there are people who have gone through horrible tragedies. And we don't want to make light of that. These are just our personal experiences. I can't help but think that the world is forever changed, much like 9-11, even on a basic level where... You know, our generation in younger days, you could go greet somebody at the airport. You could go to the the actual other side of the airport and, and walk people on the plane and, and just all the things in, that Homeland Security created that just a whole, like, I remember at my last job, the, the police force there uh, would do active shooter drills and they would always say, you know, the faculty, the staff, the the older people in their 40s, 50s, 60s are harder to do active shooter drills with because the younger kids who are college age have only known a world where they've done that since kindergarten and first grade. So mm-hmm. they've known no other world. We have a whole generation. If we're going into the spring, you have two whole graduating classes. Someone who was a junior who was like, glad I get to be a senior year next year. They may not see their last two years of college, of high school. And again, it affects everybody on different levels, but the world's going to forever change. And to feed off of what Beth said, that, oh my gosh, we're pulling up to this bar and we're going in and Aaron's playing and Sean's going to be there and friends and it's get to the door. Oh shit, I forgot my mask. Oh shit, do you have an extra oh, mask? Yeah, I'm going. Yeah. Oh, and there's the sanitizing station. And I didn't bring my reading glasses because I'm 50 and I need them now because every menu I have to look at on my phone and expand. And yes, we'll get to a point where that's gone. And maybe this year we'll see different modifications of how you can eat out and have entertainment and things like that. But I think what we can all agree on is the world's going to change forever. So it's almost like when is it okay to go out and like, have fun and not feel guilty and like you know and and we're gonna go ahead and jump right into Aaron first and I'm gonna have everybody talk about their sectors just Sean, a, about comedy another point you know just to add on to what you guys are talking about I mean it's it's a different feel all the way around um, when I see a friend male or female it's just in my nature to automatically give them a hug oh yeah hug or so handshake I'm a, I'm a hugger and a handshake yeah, yeah. And, not anymore. And, and so Elbows. some of them will reach for you first and then you feel weird if you diss them <laughs> but maybe you're going to be going to see you know your elderly parents that weekend and yeah. it, everything's in the back of your head so so it's almost like you know we're relearning how to be social when we go out and it feels like you're handcuffed, it feels like you're censored, mm-hmm. it just doesn't feel natural. And, uh, you know, you see somebody you haven't seen in a couple of years and you used to hang all the time, 
sometimes you even forget for five minutes that there was COVID and you're a foot away from each other with, you know, your arm around their shoulder, catching up, how you been, what's going on, that kind of shit. I actually saw you at my very first gig this past summer. Yep. Um, locally. And I can't remember, I walked up to you, did we, it was... I think I waved for you, waved to you from like ten feet away. Yeah, we didn't really get that close. We right. didn't talk long, but it was strange. It was like my cousin comes up to me. He's like, "Hey, cuz," and I'm like, goes for the hug, mm-hmm. and I'm like, "Nah." Yeah. Now I, of course, I laxed a bit. Um, and the handful of gigs that I did do over the summer, I, I was on a deck somewhere locally playing, and uh, an old buddy of mine, you know, and we walked right up to each other, gave. Give you a big old hug over my shoulder. I look at this one scowling at me. <laughs> She's judging me for for yeah, and you know, that's sure. that whole COVID fatigue that they've uh, coined the phrase Ooh, of. And it's it's I'm, some people wouldn't leave their own bedroom for the first four months, yep. and now they're like they're done wearing a mask. They're done not seeing their grandparents. <laughs> they're done not going out to eat where they want. And you know what? COVID's only gotten worse. Um, or stayed the same, it's no different. Their mindset has changed. And again, we're not going to get political. Uh, You Mm. won't know at the end of this podcast what my views are on all of that shit, but the virus itself has stayed the same, and people who are just sick and tired of trying to behave and follow the rules are changing the way they behave. Because I know people that I saw who wouldn't even come 10 feet away from me are the ones now trying to shake my hand. Sure. You know? Right. Yeah. So let's actually do this. I had an idea. Let's let's work from the top down. Let's look at, um, we'll get to sporting events and concerts, but let's look at just day-to-day events that we all go to and then break that down to kind of the event, then the entertainment side, then the spectator side. And, and I'm going to lean on Beth for this one because you you got out of the wedding industry several months before this happened, but I know you keep a lot of close contacts with people. Um, we both have social media where we keep in touch with people who are in uh, wedding and let's just say private events, whether they're anniversaries, birthday parties, corporate events, holiday parties, who have obviously had to cancel um, and they've had to pivot, whether it's having smaller events, smaller accounts at your wedding, um, having video screens so relatives can watch from afar. Kind of what have you seen from talking to people still in the industry and where do you think it's going? Because it's, it's, this isn't going to be, you know, all the 2020s put off till 2021. Now I'm seeing postings because this is bridal show season, January, February. Oh, yeah. They're already talking about moving to 2022, 2023, kind of. From your lens, if you had to step back and go into your old job tomorrow, what have you seen? What are the trends and where do you think it's going? Well, I know that the wedding industry and the events industry is still hoping to salvage some of 2021. Um, They're really hoping with the COVID vaccine that there'll be some sort of herd immunity by the beginning to mid-summer. That's what I've talked to them about, which is surprising to me that they're optimistic like that, but it is encouraging. I don't think we'll see how we saw the event industry before COVID. I think once you are allowed to have more people in a room, they're still going to be masked. They're still going to be nervous around each other. So even when we get the go-ahead that we are allowed to be together, it's then we all psychologically have to get over this 
this, ooh, you may have cooties or I'm scared of you, right. you know? So like, how long does that take? Often when you're like mourning a death of somebody, it takes almost a whole year, every season to go through to then feel comfortable again. And I wonder if that's the same scenario with these big events. And I wonder if guests won't come, you know, if, cause I, I know over the summer when there was a lot of outdoor events, people were moving to smaller outdoor events. A lot of guests were uncomfortable going. So you know, and then do they walk in and slowly saying you can have the events, but no entertainment. And like, it's hard enough to get people on a dance floor on a sunny Saturday or Sunday afternoon. And then you slowly work in entertainment and it's still, it's still hanging there, you know. And, and again, we're not going to be political here. I'm going to just mention some things from a little bit of research that I did. Um, and whether you, you hate these news outlets or not, that's not what we're here for. It's just to kind of give us a foundation um, the report came out in the New York Post saying it could be up to seven years before there's actual herd immunity based on the vaccination schedules that are happening right now. Um, most scientific world pandemic people say you have to have 70 to 85 percent of a population to have a vaccine to achieve herd immunity. Even with the vaccine rollout now, first week of February, the United States is at about 1.5 percent. Oh. So... Uh, you know, I don't want to, I'm not even going to name names. The, the guy mm. with the white hair who is always on for Trump and now he's with Biden because people just, again, we don't want to have people tuning us out for political reasons. Just across the board, they're kind of saying, okay, maybe feasibly fall to probably closer to winter right before 2022. Um, it, we just don't know whether it's going to be two dose, one dose. Uh, we just all want to get back to not normal, but the new version of normal. Uh, what are your friends in the wedding industry saying? I know they're, they're, they're saying that's their hopeful goal, but are you hearing from them about brides and corporate who are like, you know what, we're not having holiday parties anymore because another facet of this is everybody can raise their hand at this table. Oh, I know someone whose work told them they don't have to go back to work for the next year and a half work from home. It's less liability. It's less office space needed. It's less workers comp. Work from home is going to be the new. We, we literally have to retrain ourselves as a society to socially interact again. Sean? Yeah, I mean, uh, <clears throat> the way I'm looking at it is things could go either way. They can speed up as more companies' vaccines are being approved. Some of them are a one-shot vaccine, and everybody wants to make money, so they're going to 24-7 be making these vials of vaccine. It, there may be holdups in the way people are doing the scheduling. People are having second thoughts, not showing up, but not canceling. Now you've got thought out vaccines being thrown away. And I recently saw a news story where there's a whole group of people in several major cities called vaccine hunters. And they just sit outside these facilities with no appointments. And every time someone cancels, whoever's first in that line gets the vaccine because the only other option is to throw it in the trash. So there's young people with no disabilities or health issues that are getting these vaccines, and God bless them because it was going to go in a dumpster anyways. Now, the other issue why I say it could go the other way, even if vaccines become more and more available quicker than we hoped, is the variations of the virus could render some of these vaccines ineffective or so less effective 
that there's going to need tweaking and revaccinations. And it's a learn-as-you-go process, and we got the best scientists in the world on it. My fingers are crossed that Ticketmaster Live Nation is going to do what they said and allow people with either proof of vaccination or a negative COVID test within 72 hours of an event to show up, and then I will be back going to see live shows on a regular basis. Sure. So let me jump back to this. We're several episodes into our podcast called Something to Say, and we believe everyone has something to say. No one at this table is a doctor or scientist or nurse or frontline worker, so we don't want to diminish what they've done. However, we've all been affected in different ways, and I think today we want to take a moment to look at an entertainment aspect of it, and I really want Aaron to have the floor to jump in from when it first happened what he saw happen in a shift in entertainment, how he pivoted, how he worked or didn't work, and got to where he is today. So, Aaron, we're going to give you the floor for a while. So, uh, going back, what, 11 months now? It's, uh, it, it was, last January was strange, the news, you know, it, it was, this this thing was gaining momentum. I mean, sure. snowballing, and, and it made its way to the United States, and you know, meanwhile, we're, we're still going about our daily, you know, what it is what it is. Again, I, I don't... And, and then when it hit, I mean, things were getting canceled. You know, when, when you saw on the news, St. Patrick's Day celebrations, gone. I mean, like, boom, parade, race day. It, it, it was so weird because that we've never seen anything like that. Yeah, and it's the third biggest St. Pat's parade in the country. In the country, you know, it's, it's, it's a big deal. And these public gatherings. So then all of a sudden, it was, uh, oh yeah, March 16th was, I, I had a day job bartending, and then that, we were closing, then it was a shutdown. And everything came to a halt. And, and it remained that way for, for months. But, like, I'm, I'm talking about the gigs. Like, yeah. I mean, by then, you I'm must so, have had your, at least your summer, if not summer, and fall oh, booked out. I, I, Solid. Absolutely. And, and, and it was strange because we, you know, me and the guys in the band, we'd, we'd have, you know, we're texting. You know, we, we still keep in touch. I haven't seen my my drummer in 11 months. You know, it's bizarre to me. I've seen the other, he, he does live far away, but he's, he's got, you know, he's, he's working. We're all working, but I haven't seen him. There's been no cause. We haven't had to, you know, play. I'm sorry, I'm getting off topic. Um... Where were we? I apologize. So, you know, you you were talking about how it just came to a screaming halt. You knew your whole slate cleared. Absolutely. Everybody went their different directions. Restaurants, bars, venues were closing. So there was a waiting period before there was a slow reopening. What what was going on for you then? Well, I knew uh, we, we, we lost a lot of money. We saw the gigs just fly, you know, fly by with, with nothing coming in. Um, we knew that our, our residency, see our, our main bread and butter, I call it, is our live band karaoke show. People get up, sing with the band. And uh, we're thinking now, are we going to be allowed to do that? You right. Know, 50 people, 100 people in a room sharing a microphone. Sharing a microphone, um, yeah. It, yeah, bring your own microphone, sure. Uh, or sanitizing, sanitizing them. It's, it's a little bit of extra work. We're willing to do it. Hope, hoping to get that, that green light yeah. uh, eventually. But I knew that uh, we, we were going to play as a full band on, on a regular basis, we, that we were. And I don't think we will be, you know. It, are we going to be able to walk into, you know, a local establishment and see 200 people dancing and having fun? I mean, it seems alien to me. I, and, and that's what worries me. 
You know, so so when there when there started to be some breaks where restrictions slowly got lifted, and you just basically had to kind of pick your spots of where it's mm. maybe not a full band, but it's an acoustic. How was that reintroduction for you? Uh, it was very interesting. Now our local uh, our local government has imposed a ban on music indoors. That has singing or a woodwind instrument. Well, I said it before in our other segment. We, the world has become footloose. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, it, it's funny. A lot of people would come to me, you know, as a singer. That's BS, don't you think? And I'm like, well, kind of makes sense, man. I mean, I'm projecting. Sure. You know, God knows what's flying out of my mouth other than glorious melodies, my friends. But I'm a diehard metalhead, so as soon as I heard no woodwinds, I was pissed. Oh, totally. So and it's funny. Um, and I was a talent booker for a couple of places. I still have people. You know, hey man, you know, can we get some gigs? I'm like, I don't know if you heard, but we, we don't offer offer you know indoor entertainment right now because of said things. Now that being said, outdoor venues are everywhere, and that has been glorious. Uh, um, it, it's great, you know. Who doesn't love a good patio? And you can stretch patio season right up to November, and so you know, sure. And and they did. <laughs> but but like you said before, for you, you know, you you I could have asked you to bring your guitar today, and you could have played a couple songs, and that would have been fine and well. But for you, it's the human interaction. Yeah. So now you get to go back to doing. You know, your living, making money. Yes. To people who are instructed not to stand up. Not to dance. Oh, yeah. Sit at your table and you only get up to use a bathroom, put on a mask. It's, so it, it's you know, like oh, a yeah. com- it's like telling people you can't laugh because your laughing will spread the over the summer. Oh yeah, over the summer on uh, those handful of gigs I was I was lucky enough to do. Um and it, it is a it's a compliment. When people get up and dance to your band, that that is the best thing sure. you can hope for. That, well, I was a DJ, yeah. yeah you it's, know. A, it's it's a reactionary and it killed me. To see, you know, oh, they're dancing to the song, and you see people having a good old time, and then a staff member comes up, a tap, excuse me, you, um, you can't dance, stop doing that, and they look at them bewildered. What do you mean we can't dance? Because, well, yeah, man, they're knocking into people's tables. Next thing you know, you're grabbing a stranger. Hey, come dance with me. No, I don't know you. It's a pandemic. Go away. And um, but that being said. The fact that they can't dance and all they can do is sit there and listen is the greatest thing in the world. And uh, people are so appreciative. They're like, awesome. It Look, it's a band. We're out having drinks and a meal. There's a band. This is great. And, and they're very appreciative, of course. You know, We, start to we still have to play good. The things that we've been taking for granted. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Say and that again. But it, it's it, captive audience. It's, it's been the greatest, actually. And, and yeah. for anyone who, you know, isn't an entertainer like Aaron is and I was, the only example I could give to drive that home was when I would do weddings and there would maybe be an older couple and they would come up to me at the end of the event and they would say, you know what, I'm not big dancers and, and my wife uses a cane and we just aren't big dancers. But I want to let you know, this is one of the best weddings we've ever been into our lives. And the music you played and the whole presentation was great. But we just sat and listened. And, you know, I gauged it by how I filled the dance floor. And he gauged it by who's up dancing right by the stage. And it's different on both ends. You're helping retrain them. But they've also been, you might have someone in any given audience who was one of those people who never left their house the first four, five, six, seven months. And they want to get out for a little bit. So... Fast forward to now, kind of where are you at and what's your mindset and your band and, and going forward? You know, we're, we're about a month, 
excuse me, about a month away, actually. I think we turned the clocks March 14th, like mm. spring's around the corner. Kind of, do you have a plan of attack going into the spring when it warms up? Absolutely. You know, we're just, we are going to get out there and swim with the, with the other fish, you know. And we, we waited, you know, when, when things were lifting last spring. We, we waited a bit. And, but now I'm, you know, I'm already making inquiries. I've got some things on the books. I have an engagement next Saturday. It's weird yeah. Lo- locally, but, and that's an, an estate very close with different restrictions. I can sing indoors there. Yeah, I can imagine being either a disc jockey or or a singer or you know a bandmate who well, who feels well, disc jockey's got it the worst. Who I feel, mean, you know, you feel complimented when you yeah. see a full dance floor. Yeah. So you could be having the best night of your career, yeah. and and you won't know it by the feedback. And I, I guess me as a stand up comic would say. You know how horrible it feels when you're up there pouring your heart out and giving it your all and not getting any laughs. You know, and I used to think that it's because I sucked, but now yeah. I know it's because a staff member walked around and told people that they needed to stop laughing because of is, COVID. Is that true? No. Okay. <laughs> no, no. That would freak me out. I know. I know. I, um, I know a good buddy of mine uh, from Nantucket. He's a, he's a touring touring uh, comedian right now, and it's strange to see him. They're they're playing these clubs and there's you know it's half capacity or whatnot these events yeah. and it's strange to see you know but they're loving it there's 50 people there Dave Chappelle is playing stand up in cornfields yeah you know um, so you, you know Sorry. let's let's explode off of that to live entertainment and I know Sean's got a lot to say about concerts you know it's one thing for a smaller venue that holds 1500 people um, to space out but but if you're talking these these average, you know, big type, uh, I think everyone in the country has different versions of like Xfinity's bought up names, Xfinity theaters, all these places that have 20,000 lawn seats and 15,000 amphitheater, outdoor seating seats. You know, the traveling artists have these whole crews they travel with, their press, their publicists, all these vendors that they have to worry about on top of financially if it's worth them having somebody. And I'll just use the model because the NFL did it semi-successfully, not-for-profit, with the amount of people they limit. And part of it is being in this crowd and being around people. You know, what do you think concerts are going to look like in the near future on a larger scale? And, and the music festivals that are 20 bands and start at noon. Yeah, it's going to depend where we are at the time. You know, yeah. if they're going to do this kind of half-breed thing, then... It's going to be interesting. Are the fans going to want to be there? Are the bands going to want to perform for half the money that they're used to for the same amount of work? Um, you know, it's one of those things where I love the atmosphere. I love the tailgate before the show. I love mm. meeting people, you know, at a show and, uh, you know, you're, you're all partying and singing with the band and just enjoying the weather. You're going to be able to share a joint with a stranger. You know? <laughs> like, think of it. Like, I don't, I don't want to no, blow yeah. by anyone's spot, yeah. but like, you know, you haven't been at, you know, an Aussie show or something and like, it's a social hey, bro, thing. hit this. Yeah, you yeah, know? It's like buying somebody a beer because, sure. you know, you're just, you're sitting there talking and, and all of those kinds of things. Uh, I think it's going to, my just, just off the top of my head, maybe it's hopeful, maybe I'm biased and I don't know it on a subconscious level. I think by the end of this year, there's going to be enough proofs of vac- vaccinations and negative COVID tests that I think they're going to be packing the big venues probably October-ish. That's just a feeling that I have. 
um, because I think those vaccine companies like money as much as everybody else does. Mm. And this is their time to shine and make a billion dollars. And they're doing a great thing for the world if, if everybody lines up and, and decides. Now, that's not to say anyone who doesn't want the shot needs to go get it because we're not going to get political here. I just think that it's going to be good enough where sporting events and large rock concerts and country concerts and, and pop concerts are going are gonna to be back before the end of this calendar year. Okay, so... You know, uh, and I mentioned this before, and, and it actually came to fruition years early. I, I had known that the NFL was going to be going to all paperless digital tickets. You know, your, your barcode, your ticket to entry is on your phone, and they were going to do that over time with the Super Bowl, and they went instantly to it this year. I guess from a standpoint of contact tracing, um, you know, your ticket is your entry and they have all your information. And if I sell mine to you, then I have to transfer it to you. And they can, so let's say on a Friday night, I take my wife to uh, Xfinity Theater in Hartford and see Zach Brown. And we're there with 20,000 people. And because of that concert, something comes up within 24 hours at like 500 people got it, and now Sunday I'm going with you to see Allison Chains at the same place. And like, I'm just wondering if, if there's going to be a weird, not again, political big brother, but once they have a way of really doing a lot of contact tracing and saying, well, this venue had a site, even though it's a different artist and different people, two days later we're shutting it down. I think at the very least, the market's going to be tougher for artists. They're going to be more skittish of, of when people are going to buy tickets to events. Yeah. You know, um, I agree. It's it's just a weird landscape that we're all in. I, I know um, you talk sports or music. It's in the billions, the loss. And oh, some yeah. bands, I remember one of the early bands, Godsmack, just cut their losses, says, we're going to pack it in. We're going to worry about next year. Well, now next year is here. And all the movement that has to take place, not only to get a place, but to map that out within where you're going to do your whole tour. We're talking national acts, whether they're comedy, whether they're bands, and the kind of the log jam that's going to cause and and i'm as hopeful as sean and that happens in october does that mean a lot of the bigger festivals are going to move to warmer weather down south because you're not going to have a lot of outdoor concerts in november yeah you know so right. something else to consider too is okay so uh these bands uh they're now the trend is to say if you're going to do a farewell tour it lasts two to three years so Ugh. you can get every dime you can and play every city and and go three times through every country and you know what that that many more fans get to see you your last trip around if it is actually even a real farewell tour uh, i think the who and the rolling stones have both been on a farewell tour for about 40 years now but uh you know an, an example would be ozzy osbourne okay now ozzy osbourne's in his 70s ozzy osbourne canceled his farewell show locally two years ago because of his own health issues rescheduled it to one year ago and covid canceled that and now he's scheduled again for this coming summer and we don't even know if the venues are going to be able to open yet and ozzy osbourne has beaten the shit out of his body Mm. For decade after decade, on a level of a Keith Richards, he's in his 70s, and he was going to struggle probably just to get that tour finished two years ago. 
what kind of shape is he going to be in in one, two, or three years if it finally does happen? You know, it, it meant I felt some, some last early summer, and you'd see these bands, follow so many bands on social media, and they're like, you know, you see the postponements, these, these alerts you'd get, notifications, and then the rescheduled date, and we've passed the rescheduled date, and I feel so bad. There's a, there's a band out of Atlanta I really like. I saw them on a cruise once. Uh, and they are basically a cover band. Um, they cover all kinds of different artists, but their their main thing is uh, they're called Yacht Rock Review. Oh, sure. And they, they do the schmaltzy 70s and 80s. You don't realize how hip this music is first off until you see a really great band perform it live. They come and, to one of my favorite venues in the area. The Webster uh, yeah. Indian Ranch? Indian Ranch. Yeah, absolutely. And I was I had tickets. And this, this poor band, they released an album of original material. And because of they, they've got great contacts in the industry... They've been doing well. It charted. It got on rolling. You know, it was on. It was on the Billboard Hot 100. Rolling Stone was writing on, and and boom, talking about momentum that crashed. They had a great summer tour. They were going to come to that Webster uh, venue, and yeah, it's it's a shame because, like I said, the you'd see the original notification, the reschedule, and then postponed again. Sure, it's heartbreaking. Another point that I wanted to bring up, and I was curious for both your opinions on this, is so let's just let's just do some simple math here, and and for argument's sake, we'll just say concerts are going to start again full force in the fall of 2022. That means anyone who was scheduled to tour in 2020 postponed it, rescheduled it, postponed it, etc. Then you've got other bands or music acts who planned on releasing new music in 2021 and touring to support that. They're on hold for a year. Then the bands that were planning to wait till 2022, even before COVID hit, to release their new music and go on tour. Is it going to be a situation where the venues, these big amphitheaters that we talk about that hold 40,000 people, are they going to have concerts seven nights a week the first year because they're going to have three years worth of tours in one year? Are people going to be fighting for stage time? And is it going to be a scheduling nightmare and a war? And is it whoever takes the least amount of money gets that night at the venue? Or is, you know, because... Because now you've got, like I said, three years worth of tours happening in one season. That will point to your pocket. It, it might be the biggest name in country on Wednesday, the biggest name in metal on Thursday, the biggest name in pop on Friday, and then Saturday and Sunday are huge nights, so somebody's going to be there, and so on and so on. And it could go from April to October, six, seven nights a week in every major city in the world. So, go ahead, Aaron. I was just going to say, on the, on the, I know a, a local concert promoter, and he's bringing some, you know, he brings national acts to different venues. And I, I just feel so bad because here we are, he, he's expecting to have these shows resume in less than three months at different places. And I just I don't see it happening. And So, <clears throat> two things I want to jump on there. Um, you've made some right life choices, Sean, so you don't have kids. I do. <laughs> Um, <laughs> this is what has happened a couple times to me this fall. Automated message from school. Huh. Hello, middle school families. We want to let you know that there have been two cases of COVID oh, yeah. in your child's school. We've done contact tracing. And unless you've already been contacted separately by the health department, you shouldn't have any concerns. However, we're closing the school today at 11 o'clock for a thorough cleaning We hope to resume classes tomorrow or the next day. (laughs) How do you have a concert 
let's say diminished capacity, let's, no, full capacity. How do you have 10, 15, 30,000 people have a concert till 11, have to clean it, unload and everything and have a crew going and completely sanitize every seat and touch point for the next night's concert? Let me jump on an article I found in Billboard magazine. Lee Zeidman, he's the president of the Staples Center. He's a Microsoft Theater in LA Live. He's the Bill Gates of entertainment and live events in, in Los Angeles and Southern California. Here's a couple things he said. When someone sneezes in your vicinity, you're going to look around. When you go to purchase your food and beverage, you're going to see how they're served. When you walk the arenas and the stadiums, you're going to look at how they sanitize it and who's out there to continue to sanitize it. I don't believe we're ever going to be back at whatever normal was on March 11th, 2020, regardless of what type of vaccine, drug therapy, or physical distance or time will create. We've just been retrained. He goes on to say, live entertainment such as concerts, comedy shows, operas are in a different bubble than sports events because sports events can live in that bubble, have limited or no fans, and still bring in millions and billions from advertising and broadcast revenue. Um, you look to the owner of your Raiders who says, we will not have one fan in the stands at Raiders games until all fans. I don't believe in any diminished capacity. He refused to attend any games until we can open it full to every seat. We will not have fans in the stands at Raiders games. Hmm. You talk to these national touring acts that go to the front of the line, your Kenny Chesney's, your Taylor Swift's, your Guns N' Roses. Do they want to, what, are they, what is their rider going to look like when they say, oh, there were four concerts before, four days in a row before ours. We want to see all this data and protocol, and they have to have a scientific team now to say, we don't want to get blamed for how it wasn't clean the three nights before, and all of a sudden they're saying Guns N' Roses caused the latest outbreak. He goes on to say uh, the lack of confirmed bookings because of all these artists up in the air and exactly what you said of when's this album going to come out, when we're going to tour, rescheduling havoc on a building like the Staples Center, which also hosts things like the Emmys, the Grammys, has dignitaries. If you're a promoter, or agent, or an artist, the toughest thing by far is plotting the tour. If you're going to go from New York to Los Angeles, there could be 100, 150 dates in between there without knowing exactly where every state is, where every county is, and where every city is as it relates to how you can open up for mass gatherings in full capacity. It's going to be a very tough moving part. No one's going to be able to get their hands around. As you try to take your tour overseas, you're going to run up against the same issues country to country. And with so much in limbo, venues are increasingly relying on events and strategies outside of sports season and concert tours because these are big buildings that still have to be run year-round. They're HVAC. They're cleaning. They're, they still have to be run. They're just big, empty buildings. Yeah. Hey, if, if it takes a team of 1,000 people to sanitize a building after a concert, great. We have job opportunities. And, you know. And a lot of people are looking for work. And listen, I currently am unemployed. <laughs> I'll you can I'll, I will f be assigned my very own little uh, group of ten people, following around with a spray bottle and some handy wipes. You know, and let's say, let's say you two own a restaurant together or a hardware store or something, and you've invested all this money in setting up dividers and spacing and um, plexiglass. And it's kind of okay to start opening. You've already got it installed. Would you just go say, take everything down, put it in the basement? It's probably the new normal now. There's another outbreak. Because SoFi Stadium has added permanent plexiglass dividers around the stadium. And, and SoFi Stadium is in the same boat as 
uh, your stadium for the Raiders. They're brand new stadiums this year. They were supposed to open to guests, have concerts over the summer. They didn't. SoFi Stadium is hosting the Super Bowl this weekend, next year. They've got a year to get it together, and they expect they're still going to be in protocols, and California is one of the worst states. Like, it's, okay, we start in New England, work our way down to Florida, over to Texas. Who knows what California is going to look like by the time the band gets there in Mm. four, five, six months. And like you said, these bands kiss Rolling Stones that draw out these tours. It's, where do we go? Yeah, and and any type of establishment that has the plexiglass, etc., if it doesn't diminish your pre-COVID capacity, leave it up. Leave it'll it. stop colds. It'll stop flus. It'll yep. make people feel better about being there, even if it does nothing. The ones that are sure. going to take it down are the ones where it affects your uh, capacity compared to pre-COVID. Yeah. Because, you know, there's three points that I want to hit on, and it's just it, it goes along with what we're talking about right now because we're talking about the things that are going to become complex and difficult moving forward and it is a learn as you go thing and uh, I don't want to hurt anybody's personal feelings whether you're sitting at this table right now and in the industry whether you're somebody listening to this broadcast or a friend of mine who works at any of these venues but there is something that I have a counterpoint to and and I just hope that people will take it into consideration. I've heard that a lot of cover bands all the way up to bands that are biggest bands in the world touring due to either the revenue that they've lost over the past calendar year or the fact that they're going to have less people allowed into their shows when things start to open up, that the cost to see them live is going to go up. And one of the things that I've heard is, well, these bartenders, these wait staff, these bouncers, the managers and the owners of the nightclubs lost so much money during the shutdown that instead of $10 to see a cover band, it's going to be $20 or $25 to see a cover band. And in theory, that makes sense. However, this is what they're not taking into consideration. What if 50, 60, 70% of their regular crowd that comes there every night also lost their job for the past year? So you've got to take that into consideration. And one thing that you're never going to get a straight answer on is whether this bartender or that bouncer or that nightclub manager or anybody involved in the industry was one of those people for months and months and months getting 100% of their pay plus $600 a week for unemployment. They're not going to tell you if they did, and they're going to want to come back to work and have everybody over tipping them to try and make up for all the money that they may have lost during COVID. There's going to be some that got not a penny the whole year, and there's going to be some that were getting $600 a week more than they were making before COVID, and you're not going to know the difference. And the people you're asking to pay these inflated prices might be some of the ones who lost their own personal business or their their regular full-time job. So there's got to be some give and take and some understanding. If a cover band goes from 10 to $15, I might be more understanding of that. If they're going to double or triple their price, then it's going to be a wait and see. Who's going to come? Who's going to pay it? On top of, let's just use a band, for example, like let's just say Def Leppard's going on tour and you used to get the medium-range seat for $90, and now that's $175 because they can only have half capacity. Is that fair to do to the fans 
who are suffering that whole year to a band who's already a multimillionaire. It's interesting. We talk about the the money, and let's you know, let's get down to brass tacks. You know, the money, the bottom line, and I'll say this over the summer: um, the bands are sadly taking the hit on a local level. I'll say that. Of course. I, I, um, and for me, it was my living. That's how I, I paid the bills. Sure. Now, I don't care about the money. When I sing, I'm singing because I need to. You know, you um, I, I, I love it. And it's what you said earlier, uh, the pandemic has shed light on a lot of things. We took so much for granted. And in three decades of, of performing, I certainly had my fair share of that. So I know that when I go to do it, it's, it's not about the money for me. And we sadly did take a pay cut, you know, at certain venues sure. because I had to play, <laughs> you know, I mean, I had to get out there on that yes. deck at that, at that place. And with my band, you know, a few times we, we did get to play, you know, and if we had to use, you know, substitute personnel, you know, we had to sub out part, you know, people because they, they couldn't make it. But, um, yeah, so it, it's, it's tough, you know? Yeah, and I'm not blindly taking the fan side in this. I'm just saying let's consider that aspect sure. of it because I have not heard it one time yet. Now. And having said that, I'm a professional stand-up comedian, and I like money. And yes. I haven't done a show since COVID started, and I had planned on doing multiple shows in the time frame that things have been shut down, and I make a profit every time I do a show. So I'm not taking one side or the other. I'm saying yeah. let's consider every aspect of this and try to be fair kind of all across the, the board. I'd like to see them, you know, these, these these gigantic, the big names, you know, the Zach Browns, the Def Leppards, you know, that that huge four-band Def Leppard, Poison, I mean... Molly Crew. Molly Crew, like, and uh, Joan Jett, I think. Yep. I'm like, come on, guys. Take the hit. I, I, you know, uh, with all due respect, well, to, to, I think they, sh they should. Sure. So let me jump in and comment on both of yours. Completely agree with Sean. Here's a nightmare scenario I see. Your bands that can fill a stadium four nights in a row. Foo Fighters, Taylor Swift, Dave Matthews, Kenny Chesney. Weekends or prime dates. Maybe under normal non-COVID situations... You know, they're playing a Friday and a Sunday, and Sean's like, dude, get tickets to the Friday show because Sunday night I have to work Monday. And maybe it's $100. Well, now maybe they're canceling both of those, having one show that's $200, and now they can even make more profit if they have it on a Tuesday or Wednesday because the venue's not going to fill that many people or there's not an NFL game or a Major League Baseball game going on. So now your Foo Fighters ticket to a Friday or Saturday, your choice of going, just became almost a $200 ticket, and you have to go and go midweek and pay double and burn a day off because we're going to Fenway Park to see it. And like at some point, some dynamic of that is going to happen. And it's going to end up being a supply and demand that irons it all out because these bands can try it. We live in a, a society where we have a free market and capitalism and they can go and say every ticket's a thousand dollars, including the long seats. But if nobody shows up, it's not going to last too long. Right. So they're going to have this trial period where they're seeing, okay, how many people can we get to come in at this price point? That's not going to make it. Now at the next city, we got to drop it 8%, see how we do there. Still not quite where we need to be, and they're going to come up with some finite formula and come up with the exact number where they get enough people there at a high enough price where they're back to where they used to be. 
but you know the common man may end up suffering. Instead of seeing twelve shows a year, they're going to go see four, and, or they're just going to stop going altogether. And lest we throw this monkey wrench in, every single concert that was canceled worldwide. They're honoring your tickets for whenever it's rescheduled. So now maybe you were going to see it on a Saturday and it's on a Tuesday. I'm a season ticket holder for an NFL team. And I think it would be fair to say that 50 to 60% of the tickets in any stadium are owned and managed by season ticket holders. The NFL and its 32 teams notified everybody when they kind of canceled the season. Whatever money you've paid is being put towards the 2021 schedule. So now, if you can see 80,000 people and 40,000 of them are season ticket holders who are already paid in full the year before, so you're not getting that income as well, there's just going to be a trickle-down. That, like Obviously, for the industry, they're, they're going to be playing catch-up for a long time. And I think what I'm getting out of what I hear from both of you is how much they take it out on the common man. Yeah, and, it, and it's, you know, wait and see. Remains to be seen. Mm. Some my, my second out of three points ties directly into what we're talking about right now, and that is, and, and it's more of a principle thing in a lot of cases than it is the actual dollar amount, but it is just a freaking mess when you go and you get 70 of your friends together and you plan this concert and you buy the tickets and they're for April of 2020 and they're $95 for everybody because they were 75 and there was handling fees and service fees and all that. Now it gets postponed. Does the new date work for your other seven friends? (laughs) Everybody's like, yeah, we'll make it work, man. It's not your problem. It ain't your fault. Now it's getting postponed. You hang on to them. They're still good. That date rolled around, came by. COVID was still here. Now it's pushed off. And now five of your uh, seven buddies want their money back because they ah. just kind of lost the interest. Or worse, here's what happens to Sean. That's what happens to guys like Chris and Aaron. What happens to Sean is, yeah, it's not going to work for me, so just find someone and dump it. Find <laughs> somebody to buy it. For sure. Um, just every, in general. Oh, so I'm just, sorry. Just, just riffing. No, so here's, here's what my main point was on the whole <laughs> thing is, at the end of the day, if the show's rescheduled, some places are saying, but we'll give you the option of a full refund. Some are saying the tickets are still good, so you need to wait. I don't know what the laws are. I don't know what state-by-state state regulations are. But there is a scenario, and it may end up happening, where you never get some of those fees back, uh, even though a show was... And I'm not saying that's going to happen, but I can't sit here and tell you that it's not going to happen. Sure. And so those add up. Let's let's just ballpark it and say, you know, you're going to get your handling and service fee, but you're not going to get the thing that you paid because we mailed the tickets to you. And so I don't care if you lose two bucks a head. The principle of it is I didn't do nothing wrong. I paid the day I bought them. Give yeah. me 100% of my fucking money back. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, that will end up being down the road uh, one of two things. Uh, us old men sitting around around the year 2035 seeing a late night commercial saying, if you suffered from COVID-related concert illness, you may be entitled to a settlement. <laughs> um, or it's going to be a class action at some point. So mm. I-, I will tell you, um, and I'm doing this live while we are recording. Um, tomorrow is the Super Bowl. And um, tickets after the AFC-NFC Championship, which you correctly called the winners in our prior podcast, um, within the first three hours 
after um, the Chiefs and Tampa Bay made it spiked between fifteen and nineteen thousand dollars. Okay, uh, right now, uh, around twenty-four hours before the game, they have dropped down to uh, forty-six hundred dollars. However, here's a change you'll indomitably see. I'm going to look at the filters here, and I'm going to try and buy two tickets for the Super Bowl tomorrow. And the ones that have two tickets are the cheapest tier is $6,100. Two tickets are $12,325. Go to the checkout, 18% service charge per ticket. So uh, my tickets now have a service fee. If I want to buy them and get on a plane or drive to Florida for the Super Bowl tomorrow, my service fee for my two Super Bowl tickets, just service fee, non-refundable, $2,448. Plan of bullshit right there. Part of me wants to reach across the table right now and just press confirm on Chris. <laughs> no! It's okay. It's your credit card stored in there. Nice. Which one? That is insane. So let's spend the rest of the episode uh, talking about something a little bit fun and it's objective because it's personal opinions and everything. Let's talk about some of the music and artists that we just miss and can't wait to see again. You know, if if we're in a situation like we've all talked about and agreed where we're going to have to kind of pick and choose where we spend our money, and I'm not talking about maybe tickets any of us already have uh, in, in our hands that we're just waiting to reschedule, but like, just like, who do you love? Like, you know, God, I'd go see the Foo Fighters if they were playing in Alaska tomorrow. Just like, you know, we, we all want to get out. We all want to socialize, but I have to agree with Aaron. There's just nothing like live music being there. Our generation got out on the, I'm going to hold up my phone and record the whole thing and then show all my friends in 20 second clips. Like, it's really being there, being in the moment, feeling the music and just, you know, uh, coming out of our shells that we've been in or by the time it gets okay to go out to them again. Um, just who are some of your favorite artists you just miss seeing live? You know what? I, I, it's funny. I, I, for a guy that doesn't ever want a live stream personally to perform, I do love the fact that I can go on YouTube and see so many great artists and, you know, YouTube itself just whatever... Um, so I feel like it's it's strange, even though I haven't left the house other than to go to the, the damn grocery store really uh, lately. But I feel like I haven't really missed. I mean, I'm so connected because that's all we do with the homeschooling with the kids. I'm constantly on the Internet. I'm constantly looking at, at a video. But to walk into a venue and see a band, there's there's a great band. Uh, this band, Blackberry Smoke. I don't know if you're familiar with them. A Southern, little, Southern a rock band. Bit. Just a personal favorite. I love to watch them. Um, I want to. I want to see them again. There's definitely a buzz around them. Yeah, because I, I, I've seen them promoted over the last few years. Their, their front man is is uh, energy personified. They write cool tunes about you know having a good old time and yeah, they're, and they're, I, they're good old boys. I know that I've heard them on satellite radio, and I know that I've heard people speak of them. And there just seems to be a, they're on the cusp a, a vibe about those yeah. guys. Yeah, yeah. they're they're mid level, but. The, Got a great vibe. They don't. They haven't sold out, or you know, become yep. jump the shark, if you will. And and might I say, I think that's a really cool band name, Blackberry Smoke. Oh, yeah, yeah, it just kind of rolls. But yeah. uh, for me, as I get older, I'm glad because my uh, my music horizons are broadening. It'll sound silly to a lot of people when I say I like a variety now. It means I don't just like metal. I also like a lot of hard rock and a lot of classic rock. 
I've tried other genres, can't get into it. We've been over that before. But I would, you know, I, I could sit here and list my favorites and say, of course I want to go see Metallica again. Of course I want to go see Megadeth and Slayer and Anthrax. But I also love seeing classic rock or just hard rock bands now because you never know how many times they're going to tour again. And so I had an absolute blast at a Leonard Skinner concert a couple of years ago. I'll bet. I would love to go see the Doobie Brothers. I would love to go see Bad Company. I would love to go see Boston, although that's not, mm. not going to happen. I did get to catch them once back towards their heyday. Third it was stage. amazing. But it's that's where... You know, if you were to ask me this question, I'm sorry, if you were to have asked me this question even 15 to 20 years ago, I would have just said Megadeth, Metallica, Slayer, Anthrax, Pantera. But I would have a great time right now at an ACDC concert. I would have a great time right now seeing Aerosmith, seeing seeing Skid Row, seeing Def Leppard. I'd go see Journey. I'd probably go see things like Steve Miller, just anything that's rock and roll, hard rock, or metal, just because I've never seen them before, want to see them once, and because I like to party, be outdoors, be in a crowd, and just really lose myself in the music and forget about life for a couple hours. I mentioned in the last time I was with you guys, I was so very fortunate right before the pandemic um, started to see a band I've always wanted to see, been a fan for 30 years, a band called Ween. Yep. And I was so lucky. It was February, blah blah blah, thirteenth or fourteenth, yeah, thirteenth of last year. And I'm, I'm so happy I got to see them because mm-hmm. the world changed a month after that. Yeah, you know? it's true. And and you know th- this this will kind of give you a, a little bit of insight into where my head's at. It's just it's just the the atmosphere and and the the stress relief. My girlfriend goes to see a lot of concerts with me, and we have a really good time. And she loves to dance. She'll dance all night. She'll dance for hours. And it's one of those things where afterwards she always says how much better she feels. And it, it, it's almost like people will understand that if, they've, if they're somebody who does cardio on a regular basis. And there's, there's even a book about it where you get these surges of positive energy, mood lifting. And she always says, you know, the stresses from her job go away after a night of dancing or the stresses from just general life and, and issues we all deal with. And I feel the same way. I don't dance, but when I go to a concert, it is a stress relief. Mm. And so I miss that aspect of it. There's a show called Hairfest, and all it is is six cover bands that you could see anywhere, anytime. But the fact that they put all of them together, it's on a Saturday, it's in the warm weather in September, and it's next to a lake and a campground and a beach, and there's food stands and drink stands and just this awesome atmosphere. The place only holds about three to 5,000 people. It sells out in advance, and the show is from noon to 6 on a Saturday, and we just party our balls off and have a blast and everybody's dancing and singing along to every single song because it's 80s hair metal covers i love that venue you're talking about i've played that venue and it's just this great old like the backstage area it's old wooden you know wood wood panel on the walls and you know it's just been there forever yeah yeah it's one of those it's a great spot where it's like the sum of the parts 
uh, it's greater as a whole because if I go see any one of those bands, it's a good time and stuff. But to go see six of them all day long in the awesome weather and that atmosphere, and it just feels as good as going to a real show. And it's just an amazing experience, and I plan on going every year. So I'm going to use a Sean comedy industry term, a a callback when you refer to something you brought up before. And if I go back to our I Want My MTV segments and we finished it with uh, There Goes My Hero and talking about... uh, artists who are getting older who we might not see sean you and i have talked about hey ozzy's coming around or judas priest let's go see him we don't know if we're ever going to see rob halford again certainly if you're going to go on tour there's at least a year of planning so the bands who were going to plan last year we're actually planning the summer before and everything that goes into it um we have enough episodes of this podcast where I get back metrics and ratings, and it's no surprise that most of our audience is kind of in her age group, 40 to 55. That's where a majority of our listeners are, so certainly they recognize the bands we're talking about, <clears throat> excuse me, and our musical tastes. Um, you have to wonder how much of our generation, and, and I'll get to it in a minute if it would be an aid to Aaron going forward, is going to be collateral damage because, you know... This has just taken young, old, it's been fairly non-discriminate, this pandemic. But if you're someone who's well off, you've had a great career, an Aerosmith, a ZZ Top, a Judas Priest, an Ozzy Osbourne, do you reach a point where you're just like, fuck it, I don't need the the money. I don't need the concern to know that tonight I'm playing in Dallas to 100,000 at Jerry Jones AT&T Stadium and tomorrow we're going to California and we maybe are bringing an affection and my crew or my family has to travel with me and they just kind of call it a day and now it's kind of sped up the clock of all these artists we grew up who as it was we we might not know how often we're going to see them and will that create a resurgence of the nostalgia where you're going to see more cover bands playing stuff from our generation because they're just packing in and saying, you know, had a good career, made enough money, let's call it a day. I feel like the bands and artists that you just named would have done that 10, 15, 20 years ago if that was their mindset because they already were set for life and they had already done it for a long time. So I think for them, it's just in their blood, it's in their DNA, it's in their makeup. They do it because they love it at this point. They love the interaction. You can write an album, you can create a comedy routine and do it in your home. And if you do the music for a few people, they'll tell you, yeah, I like that song. Or if you do the jokes for your friends to try them out before you want to use them on stage, they'll tell you that one's funny, that one isn't. But you'll never, ever get that back and forth that artists live for until you're in front of a live crowd. And for these people, it's almost like something they need. Some of the artists you just named have over $100 million, and they have for quite a long time now, Mm. and they're still going out on tour because they're happiest when they're getting that feedback from the crowd and doing what they love and doing what they were born to do. One of those artists you mentioned had a huge, huge tour last year, the Aerosmith. Yep. And I didn't get to catch them in Springfield, but everything I saw was amazing. Like, Steven Tyler, I didn't think I've heard him sound that good in decades. And, uh, like, I was pretty impressed. So, rightfully so. Yes. There are some artists, off the top of my head, I can't mention... 
I don't think should be doing it still. You know, sure. It's like, okay, maybe. But certainly not Aerosmith. And at one point, I probably thought Aerosmith, 10 or 15 years ago, I probably thought Aerosmith should have hung it up then. I mean, the power ballads were sure. a little bit, yep. you know, personally, I think their greatest power ballad is Angel off a of permanent vacation. Yep. It's, it's pure. Unless you call Dream On a power ballad. Well, I do. Oh. Yeah, well, sure. Um, their, wasn't that their, their first single, too, right? Yep. Yep. Um, but, and it's funny and how my opinion of Aerosmith changed <laughs> through, I don't know, social media sound clips, you know, 30 seconds. I was like, holy crap, what I heard sounded amazing. There's a band that, band that continues to reinvent themselves and stay relevant uh, longer than most in the game. Agreed. So all I heard from Sean is don't cancel and get a refund for our tickets for the Bengals reunion tour. Would that be fair? <laughs> I will walk right down there like an Egyptian and demand my money back. Okay, now, um, the great thing about kind of going unscripted today is is we bounce off of each other, and here's something I think of. And, you know, let's be old geezers for a while and talk about how like we, when have a choice. We, were, when we were young and growing up, we had to go wait out somewhere the night before and camp out and make a million friends to buy concert tickets to get front row, all right? Take it a couple decades forward, and we and anyone who's ever had an experience buying concert tickets knows that if tickets go on sale at 10, well, they go on sale at 10, but if you bought a club membership for $150, you can get them at $945, but that's for the headliner. The middler has their tickets go on sale at $930. What you see in amphitheaters now is all the indoor seating is now considered special VIP, and you can't even get in the first 20 rows. Anybody, really, for not hundreds and hundreds of dollars, and they might give you a poster and a pen, and then when they've exhausted that, it's easy for them to blow out $20 lawn seats. Let's talk for a minute going forward and and concerns, and you know, Aaron, during a break we had, you told us how um, you might have this configuration that separates you and, and the band from the audience. All this exorbitant money, and I think of uh, Aerosmith, where they had their tour, and their VIP experience with just a photo op and a sign something from Steven Tyler uh, or Joe Perry was somewhere between $1,500 and $3,000 on top of the concert. We might for a while see Ooh. all those add-on VIP experiences go away. The backstage passes, the all the meet and greets might go away, which won't affect the fans so much as it will the artists. Can't see you sidling up to Steven Tyler for the bro hug with the pandemic going on. Yeah, hey, man, no. get away from me. Because he's like seven, you know? Yeah, he is. You know? You know? So, yeah. yeah, high risk. Right. You know, uh, Magic Wand gets waved and concerts can start back tomorrow. Uh, who are a couple bands you guys would want to go see immediately? I, I know for me, um, Pearl Jam would have to be near the top of the list. They're just an incredible band, incredible presence. Um, Foo Fighters are another one. Mm. Uh, I'm a Dave Matthews fan, and 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 I I look at concerts after a career as a DJ as what I get out of it musically, as well as not the people that go there and sit on their phones and then just like stand up for the one hit and want to leave early. Um, who, who are some artists you would go see uh, if price wasn't an issue, um, and, and this all ended tomorrow? Honestly. I wanted I wanted to go to that big old uh, four band bill there, Def Leppard, the Poison Crew. Yep. Did I get that right? And Joan Jett. Yep. Joan Jett. Okay. Yep. Um, I I really wanted to go go to that show. Love Def Leppard. Big fan of the early stuff. But you know, see yeah, see Crew. Well, you know, uh, for me, it's a curiosity thing now. What's what's, what's Vince Neil up to? You know, how's how's <laughs> about, about two forty? Well, how's <laughs> hey? 
a month, month and a half ago, I was at 240. It's crazy, you know. <laughs> but that poor guy, um, you know, yeah, is he really, really? I, I was really curious about that. Is he really going to, you know, straighten out, shape up? And, and The good and thing about that is Sean and I can attest whether you pay $5 or 5000 you will get your money's worth out of Def Leppard and anything else is just a cherry on top because Def Leppard just still brings it 30, 40 years later. A buddy of mine, uh, it's funny you mentioned Def Leppard, buddy of mine uh, on social media posted a picture of him and Rick Allen. He's, he's a drum guy, works for some company down in Nashville, I believe. And uh, my girlfriend, a couple years younger than me, and I was like, wow, Rick Allen, you know, who's that? Told her the story, you know, that, oh, yeah. that, that New Year's Day, what was it, 85, and... You heard this this horrible thing happened to him, and what a great story! How you know? Sure, he persevered. He reinvented, you know, what he did. Um, I know I'm getting off target, but to see that man, yeah, one arm drummer, boom, hats off to you. And pal. then that after a, that, to have half of Hysteria made, yeah, and then scrap it all and bring in Mutt Lang, and just turn it into. This month we're spending uh, all our time on that one drum tom sound. Boom! You know it's what a perfectionist. I can't imagine. I heard what, it was a multi-year concert for that album. I, I, I yeah, I, I heard what it took to make that record. Now it is a perfect sounding record. Sure, but, but that show that you're referring to, don't undersell Poison on that because here's what I'll say about them: never bought one of their albums, never been a big fan. They're a little bit too on the soft poppy side. For me, some of their songs are, are rock and roll and they're fun if you're partying, you're seeing a cover band in a bar or whatnot. Sure. I have seen them two or three times live and it was for free each time for whatever reason how it worked out. He and gave I have that. to give credit where credit <laughs> is due. Poison is an excellent live band. All right. So I respect your opinion. You will see them <laughs> with Def Leppard, who is one of, if not the best, hair metal live band. They're just phenomenal, and they know enough to just play the hits. <laughs> Motley Crue's hit or miss. Musically, they're usually right on. Yeah. Vince Neil likes to hold the mic out and have everybody else sing. Big and, Mac 103. And it is what it is. <laughs> and as far as Joan Jett, throw her in that category of all the classic bands that I've never seen and would be cool to see one. I day. think Joan Jett's a lot more important in music than people give her credit. Sure. I listen to that that Runaways debut and then her solo stuff. She just talk about she she took her vibe and ran with it. Simple riffs. Sure. You know that Gary Glitter cover always always gets me shaken. Mm-hmm. I love that song. Who'd nice. you want to go see, Sean? Obviously, I mean my go-to. If you if you've listened to four yeah. seconds of this, I've probably mentioned Metallica nineteen times, but I really want to see them again and again and again. But you know, like. With with uh, if we want to go different genres, I would love to see ACDC one more time. Mm-hmm. They're old, you know. The singer's having problems with his hearing. Uh, they've lost one or two members. Another one is in some pretty serious legal trouble. So there's kind of going to be a hybrid. But as long as Angus is there and Brian Johnson's there. That's ACDC enough for me, and I don't care if they're at Gillette Stadium or where they are. I would bend over backwards to make it happen, and they just, I mean, they've got as many hits as any rock band in the history of music. Um, So, yeah, I mean, and and a lot of the classics that I named and all that, but obviously just for me it's just Metallica. I want to see them a hundred more times, and then the next day I'll want to see them again. They're your cheese pizza? They are. (laughs) 
Ex- well, extra cheese. Uh, I think that's going to wrap it up for this show today. Uh, we promised we would bring Aaron back, and we did. And I'm going to make that promise again because he's a great guest. Wait, how, there- how can people find you online, Aaron? Let's see. There's www.maxtone.com, M-A-X-X-T-O-N-E. Social media, the notorious Aaron Fay. And that just about sums it up. I mean, well, yeah, for, for my social media. Any, anybody who wants to see a real quality act, go see Aaron, whether he's doing acoustic, whether he's with his band Max Tone. I would have just been quiet if I didn't mean what I'm saying right now. You cannot go wrong. The guy is a professional. He is very entertaining, extremely talented, very approachable. If you want to come up and say hi to him or, or just talk to him about music. Just he, don't touch me. He'll wave to you over his 10-foot plexiglass <laughs> wall. We can, we can speak through my he, plexiglass wall. Or his agent. <laughs> he can play so many different genres, and he's really he's as good as anybody in the area. Do yourself the favor, because if you see him once, you'll see him a that bunch of times. very sweet of you to say. And and I wouldn't have if I didn't mean it. And, and, you know, just keep this in mind, too. <clears throat> um We've all struggled. We've all had anxiety about everything going on. This is new, uncharted territory for us. And when finally things do open up, we want to go out. We want to be entertained. We all want to see comedy shows. We want to be in bars. We want to see bands. But the people out there who are performing for you went through the exact same thing. So keep them in mind. If they raise their cover charge a couple extra dollars or a little bit more to see their concert, they've got families and mouths to feed and they've gone through the same and they now are out entertaining and when things open up, it's not time for them to go have fun. It's time for them to get back to work. Aaron, thanks so much for joining us. That's going to wrap it up for today. Thank you for having me. See you later, bitches. Later. Woo.